Um, church, we thank you for your liberality this morning. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are ready for the word of God? Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to be in verses 23 through 24. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24 is where we're going to be at um, this morning. Some people participate in a scam. And I'm going to explain this scam this morning. Due maybe to a major event such as a banquet or a ceremony, they will go to a store and buy a dress, a suit, maybe some shoes to wear. They will adore themselves with this outfit for the event only to go back to the store the next day and return it. Now, I know that doesn't happen here in Houston, but it happens in some places. They never intend to buy these things to own them. They only want to use the goods for their own purpose and then give them back. Where the store intends to make legitimate sales to legitimate customers, the customers in this situation actually have an entirely different plan in mind. They are running a game on the establishment. Does everybody understand what I mean running a game? They're running a game. And the reason why I'm using this story this morning is I believe that many of us are attempting to run a game on God. We come to the store. This morning is called the Potter's House Christian Church. But maybe you've been to other stores. And say what we want and what we are committed to. We make declarations regarding what we want in worship. You might have lifted up your hands and said things like, I surrender I will go. You are the king. We take for our own purposes what we want from the establishment. Only to tell God later that we can't use it and don't want it anymore. We tell God that we want him and that we are here for his purposes. And then at our convenience, we live for our own fulfillment and our own purposes. That's running a game on God. The difference is, with God, we can't run a game. The Bible tells us he will not be mocked because he has the ability to search the heart. And in all essence, really, we run a game on ourselves. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. We're going to be reading a time where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he's making it very clear that to follow him, there needs to be a commitment. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, At the Cross. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment that you've given us. God, I pray that by the Holy Ghost, God, that you will anoint the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning. God, I don't have confidence in my flesh, my talents, or my abilities. I hide behind your cross. God, but I pray that every single one of us will find a level of conviction in your spirit, God. God, to make a commitment and a decision, God, to serve you in all obedience and in all surrender. God, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said this morning, 
Amen. Can we turn on the lights a little bit? It's a little dim in here. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is the purpose, I'm sorry, the pursuit of life. Everyone who is doing something is in the pursuit of something in life. There's no question that people are usually in pursuit of something like money, accomplishments, goals, possessions, achievements, dreams, maybe even a partner, or whatever it is. You're in pursuit of something. And I think this pursuit is actually hard to quantify. But most of our life is spent pursuing something. To pursue is not an emotional moment or a mindset. Pursue is how we work, how we struggle, how we sacrifice, how we climb towards things, how we chase things. We pursue what we value the most in life. Some people, this is a very hedonistic pursuit. It's all about pleasure. You pursue things that just make you feel good. And I think we've all fallen in those categories before. It's this pursuit of life. Our documents as a, as a nation we have where it says that we're entitled. We have the right to what? The pursuit of happiness. And to a certain degree, that is true. Some pursue money while others pursue amusement. At times, the pursuit is emotional, while other times it's simply goal-driven. Not all pursuits are evil. There's people here this morning, you're pursuing success in life. You're seeking maybe to start a business or to better your business or to increase your income. You're pursuing a level of promotion in your job, and all those are good pursuits. But the point I'm making this morning is we're all pursuing something unless you're a couch potato and you're just lazy. But that's a whole different sermon. We're all pursuing something. Jesus in our text is speaking to the crowd about following him. In essence, a pursuit. And he uses the phrase, come after me. In our text, Jesus is speaking about following him in a very literal way. To follow Jesus meant more than just an intellectual change of mind. Or to study under Jesus as a rabbi, you must understand, for us in 2024, when we speak about following Jesus, many times we fall on the side of just very figurative language. I follow Jesus somewhere that means a belief or even a thought process or I go to church every once in a while or I listen to Christian music and Christian podcasts. But when Jesus in his time, his disciples, when it meant to follow him, it wasn't just I listen to Christian music. It wasn't just I put on Christian gear, my hat or my shirt speaks about God. It was a very literal I follow Jesus. It meant to be where he's at, to go where he goes. More than just an intellectual change. Following Jesus meant a total change of life. You can take each disciple and analyze and think about this very calling. Peter had dropped his net with his brother Andrew and it was a complete change of career. 
For Matthew, it was letting go of being a tax collector. This was interesting at the very least. It meant aligning our pursuit to his will. At that moment, to be discipled or to be a student of a rabbi, it meant that somewhere you would have to go with that person was, you will have to follow that man, you will have to travel with that man. So at the very least, Jesus, when he says, follow me, this meant letting go of things and actually pursuing this man. There was no emails between each other. There was no, here's a book, read this, or sign up for this webinar and this podcast. There was none of that. It was just, if you want to learn from me, then you're going to have to be at the times I speak. You're going to have to be at the moments where I pray for people. And it was a very hands-on moment in their life. But what's interesting is that for Jewish or for the Jews at that moment, it was just for a season. When a rabbi received a disciple, it was just for a moment in his time. The commentators um, historians say that for a student to follow a rabbi, it was typically they will start their studies as early as five years old. They will begin to do their religious studies and eventually they'll grow up to be an adult at some point enough to where they say, you know what, I can follow a rabbi now. I can go where he goes. But then at the 30-year-old mark around there, you became your own rabbi. And following stops now people follow you at some point following stopped and you became your own rabbi but this was not true with Jesus for the first and only time following a rabbi was linked to capital punishment I want you to understand this it was linked to the cross Our text, Jesus says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. No rabbi in the history of rabbis have ever said that. Nobody has ever looked at his disciple and says, if you're going to follow me, then you're going to get the highest punishment you can receive. See, the cross, the cross isn't a program. It's a place where you die. And this is the point that Jesus is making. He's literally saying, to follow me is different than following everyone else. I'm not just a rabbi. I don't want just an intellectual change. I'm not just going to teach you how to speak or show you new tricks or teach you different things. It's a complete change of life. I'll move on to my second thought. And that is daily decisions. Following Jesus meant to die to oneself and pick his will for our life. And Jesus breaks down that pursuit into two actions. And that's denying yourself and picking up your cross. Without these, you cannot follow Jesus. Luke chapter 14, verse 33. So therefore, if any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple and the problem is that that doesn't line up with our American way of living as Americans we get whatever we want (laughs) if you don't have the money for it just get a credit card out 
or get a loan or figure something out. And the problem is that I know you're, you can, we can speak about budgets and pastor, I know that's wrong, but that same mindset applies to Christianity. So now we have churches that just cater to what we want. I'll, I'll pick the church that does exactly what I want them to do for me. So in essence, it's almost like idolatry, where you create your own God. And you create this version of God or Jesus that, that, uh, that, that makes it feasible for you to live your life also. We have churches that maybe even um, um, uh, advertise no commitments. You know, there's no commitment. And I know we like that stuff. We can see it even in gyms, Planet Fitness. Right? No commitment. And it makes no sense because to actually do something... You need to commit yourself. Jesus makes it very clear. There is a level of commitment that's needed. We read it one more time. Luke 14, 33. Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot. Say with me, cannot. Cannot be my disciple. says you can't be my disciple if you don't renounce. So let's break this down because Jesus says, deny yourself and pick up your cross. So let's talk about denying yourself. You know, in the United States, when a person becomes a citizen, it requires them to take an oath of allegiance. So they go over there and maybe you might have seen the picture, the aftermath, they're waving a little American flag. You know, they're, they, they've, 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 they've said the oath already. So let me read the oath that you say if you become a citizen. It says, I hereby declare... On oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, uh, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I will have um, heretofore been a subject or citizen, that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law. That I will perform non-combatant non services in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. That I will perform works of national importance under civilian direction when required by the law. And that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. That's, that's pretty intense. You pretty, much, you pretty much signed up and said, if I'm willing to go to war, I'll do it for America, right? That's, that's a thought. But you know, that sounds good. But the problem is that the United States is a dual citizenship, citizenship country. <laughs> this means you can say this oath here while saying an oath somewhere else. While pledging allegiance to another country elsewhere. Jesus is saying, you will have to renounce allegiance to yourself or anything else see denying yourself is essentially part of a, of the christian life denying yourself by definition is to reject the natural human inclination towards selfishness see jewish discipleship had the inclination to be selfish and self-centered because men knew that one day it will be about following me. I'll become a rabbi and I'll have my own disciples. 
But Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to die to your dreams. Self-denial, by definition, can be the willingness to deny oneself's possession or status in order to grow in holiness and commitment to God. Paul echoes this truth about his own life. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the, suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, denying yourself includes overcoming the persistent carnal demands of the body and bringing them into submission of God's word so that you don't have to give in to sin. And you know what's one of the most practical ways to do this? It's fasting. Turn to your neighbor and cuss them out. Say fasting. <laughs> you use that F word on them, fast. <laughs> you know what fast is? You know what you do when you fast? You look at yourself and you're like, no. <laughs> You pass by and you see that big old double cheeseburger, that ultimate cheeseburger from Jack in the Box, or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's some type of euro, um, euro or something. I don't know. You look at it and you look at yourself and you say, say it. No, that's hard to say because it's your flesh. <laughs> that's the most practical way to think about it. But it doesn't happen only in food. It happens in gossip. It happens in sexual immorality. It happens with so many things where you have to look at yourself and say, no. It also happens in building habits. When you want to wake up early and pray, you're going to have to look at your pillow and say, no. <laughs> Amen? When it, when it speaks about, you know, becoming a witness and outreaching, you're going to have to look at yourself and say, you will do that. Sometimes the Christianity is about grabbing the back of your neck spiritually, amen, and putting yourself and say, you're going to do this because that's what God wants you to do. That's what denying yourself means. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, Paul, speaking to the Galatian church, says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There is a level in Christianity or a dynamic that involves you crucifying yourself. And this is where we get in trouble. It's because we do have a supernatural element in Christianity where there are spiritual forces and demonic activity and all these different things that we can speak about, a strategy from hell against our life. There is a moment of that. The book of Ephesians speaks about that. But most of Christianity has to do with crucifying our flesh. Let me explain that here this morning. You know, most of the problems that we have, it's not because of hell. It's because of us. We're the biggest threat many times. So we find ourselves in a place where we're trying to crucify demons and cast out the flesh. But that's not biblical. We crucify the flesh. 
And what that means is literally telling yourself you will obey what God says. And that's not as spiritual as we wish it was, but it's the reality of life. And this is what Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, I know the Pharisees and I see all the other students. They sit down and they talk about the things of God and the laws and what we should do and the 300, 400 laws. He's like, listen, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your own cross. So take up your cross. To a person in those times... The cross meant one thing and one thing only, and that was death by crucifixion. That's all it meant. To us today, it might mean a symbol of grace. You might even think about a moment where the, your, your whole life was changed because Jesus died on the cross. But for them, it was simple. That was the worst punishment you can receive. And never again, like I said earlier, never was there a moment where a rabbi looked at his disciple and said, You're, you following me is going to equal this punishment. To carry a cross was to face the most painful and humiliating means of death that human beings could develop at that moment. The Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. You have to think about this. They will carry the very thing they were going to end up dying on. So bearing a cross meant one was about to die. He had just, in context, if you read the text, he had just revealed to them that one day he was going to die, that one day that his ministry was going to come to this end, that he was the son of God, he's the Messiah, I will die for everybody. So when he's revealing to them, he then says, your destiny involves this also. Meant to die, meant to face ridicule, disgrace along the way. Therefore, Jesus' command, take up your cross and follow me, is a call to self-sacrifice, to a delay of gratification. That somewhere you would focus on the task. And this is the reality of serving God. Is that if we're going to submit our life to God, we must be willing to die. Dying to self is an absolute surrender to God. I hope this morning you don't exactly think I'm speaking about a physical death. But in all realities, the day will come when we have to be faced with that. Today, in other places of the world, they're faced with those decisions. We're blessed to live in what I consider the best nation in the world. This is why Christians who are always complaining about how things make them feel is an oxymoron to what Christianity is actually about. A place where you just say, you know what, I died to myself. And Jesus says this must happen on a daily basis. This wasn't an application that got approved and then you never have to look at it again. It wasn't a program that you signed up for again. It wasn't a webinar or a podcast. It was something that we must be committed to every single day of our life. It's an everyday thing. Not seasonal, not we're in trouble when we're in trouble, but an everyday decision to deny ourselves and follow him. No doubt it's true for sinners. 
but also true for Christian that our life is a mess simply because we won't deny ourselves. There's people here this morning, I don't doubt it, you're in debt because you couldn't deny yourself. Your marriage isn't ruined because you couldn't deny yourself. Your destiny, where you are at following Jesus is nowhere where it should be simply because you couldn't deny yourself. Don't tell me you will die for Jesus if you can't make it to church. Don't tell me you're ready for the mark of the beast. Nah, pastor, I won't take it. <laughs> if you simply cannot deny yourself today. You know, there's people, they'll talk about this stuff. They'll, they'll talk about the mark of the beast and they're ready for it. Man, when 666 comes and Elon Musk is going to come and he's going to put it, you know, on the top of my head. He's like, I'm a, I'm a, I won't take it. Definitely. Like, I won't take it. It's like, you haven't fasted in years. <laughs> you know, we have this false sense of self-heroism, heroism. You won't be able to save yourself. No one is. Jesus said, whoever will save their life will lose it. You're not the Messiah. Can I remind you this morning? You're not people's Messiah and you're not your own Messiah. You need Jesus in your life. I'm going to close on my third point. I want to bring some hope tonight, this morning. That is saving our life. Aren't you glad that Jesus told us what to do? <laughs> he says, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. They say that our pursuits are actually us trying to find a good life. But what is a good life? I mean, what do we consider a good life? I will venture off to say that a good life cannot be found outside of a life submitted to God. As a matter of fact, we didn't, we didn't even understand what good was until we came to God. Here's where we find the problem. Many struggle because they don't want to lose having control of their life. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. So we fear the fact that we won't have a say-so. The younger people will call this FOMO. The fear of missing out on things. So what happens is we settle for vain pursuits that never truly fulfill or bring joy. I have a story to try to illustrate this. What ends up happening is that life becomes like this Greek mythical story that I read. There's a king who was found guilty of a crime and his punishment was to be placed in the river. The river was called Hades, but that's for another story another time. The water came to his chin and then hanging and dangling over his head were branches of fruits. And the punishment was that every time he got thirsty, he will lower his chin to drink water and the water will recede. If you see this, the water will go down. And every time he was hungry, he will try to grab a piece of fruit and the branch will rise. So he never was at a place where he can do anything to satisfy him. Never food, 
and there was never a drink. And this is exactly where many people find themselves in life. Is they reach for something that will never satisfy, then they go for something down here. And all of life is just reaching and going and reaching and going. And life wasn't designed, it was never designed to exclude God. When we choose to surrender and deny ourselves and take up our own cross, there at that place, we will find life. Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my name's sake will find it. And that is the will of God. And you will never understand the will of God unless you're willing to surrender to it. I know there's all kinds of questions. People are like, well, I need to find out the purpose in my life and I need to find out the will of God for my life. You're not going to find it asking questions. You can only find it when you surrender to God. True life is found when we lose it to following Jesus. So a call to follow Jesus is actually a call to find what you've been looking for. That peace, that joy, that satisfaction will only be found when you lose yourself. This means a decision to go where he goes, to be where he's at, and to become who he is. And that is scary for some people. Because that means you have to lose your life. I want to encourage you here this morning. I was 18 years old when I came to the house of God. And I was a broken, depressed young man. Had a lot of different issues, a lot of different mind battles. And I remember sitting in a sermon where I was challenged and convicted, maybe even in this very same spirit. And I remember raising my hand, understanding after many different preachings, altar calls, different churches, different religions, understanding that this isn't a call to be a member of a church or joining a ministry or a youth group, but simply a call to surrender my life to God. Understanding that it meant losing what I thought was good for me. Losing what I thought was me trying to live life and being an 18-year-old man, I didn't know anything. So having gripping onto things that, I, that were going to hurt me. But I came here at an altar just like this. And it was at the cross where I found life. It was at a place of death, a place where everything that I was died. And I said, God, I want what you have for me. That's what surrender is all about. It's equivalent. You've seen it in movies. You might have even, I don't know, maybe been part of it or seen it around your neighborhood. But there's times where the SWAT will come. And they'll break. And if you, depending on what part of town you live, you've seen this before. <laughs> the SWAT will come and they'll knock on people's or whatever they do, they hold up. And then event, they, they got their guns, they're pointing and they're negotiating, they're doing the whole thing. Eventually, that person comes out and what does he do? Surrenders, puts his hands up. He says, okay, I'm done. I'm done running away. I'm done being a threat. I surrender completely. And that is exactly the point that our life needs to come to. Some people, they, they say things like, I've tried to live for God, or I've been to these churches, or I've been to these different things. I 
dare to ask you. I wonder if it was just a place where you didn't truly surrender to God. A place where you might have confused the will of God or the call of God with religious activity. With just an intellectual moment. Rather than a place where you say, God, you are the King of kings and Lord of, Lord of lords. Remember, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? His first question was, who do they say I am? Right? He asked them, who do they say I am? They said, well, they say you're a prophet. You're like Elijah. You're like all these things. Maybe even a rabbi. You're the rabbi of rabbis and, and all these things. And then he moves there because, okay, that's fine. But who do you say I am? And he brings it to a very personal matter. And Peter answers the question. He says, you're the son of the living God. Remember, Jesus looks at him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Father in heaven. And it was a moment where Peter surrendered. It was a moment where he said, you are the Son of God. He's saying, you're the Messiah. You are the Savior. I will learn a lot from you, Jesus, and you're my pastor, and I'm following you, but I know who you are. At that point, church became something different for him. At that point, it was more than just a learning experience, more than just a worship experience, more than just a feel-good point of it in his life. It became super, extremely real to him. You are the Son of God. There are people here this morning, God is looking at you, and he's not asking you if you're going to come to our Wednesday night service. He's not asking you, hey, are you going to be a member of this church or not? That's not what God's asking God's literally asking, who do you say that I am? Will you follow me? Will it be more than just a moment of intellectual increase? Will it be more than just an emotional moment? Can you drop your nets and follow me? Luke 9, 23 and 24, one more time. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my, my name's sake or my sake will save it. The best decision you can make in your life is to lose your life to God. Is to come and say, God, you take the wheel. I'm done. I'm done trying to make this work on my own. I'm done running away. I'm done pushing this away. God, I surrender completely to you. I will deny myself and I will take up my own cross. It's at the cross where you will find life. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Very simple sermon. The idea of surrender coming to Christ. Listen, when I finally gave my life to Jesus, there were very, very, uh, there was moments where I thought I said the words, even repeated things that other people said. But in all reality, my heart wasn't given to God. So it was very superficial, very shallow. But there was a moment, like I've mentioned, I was 18 years old and I surrendered to God 
It was the best decision that I've made in my life. To this day, reaping the consequences of that, that decision, the benefits of it. Maybe you're here today. And your life is a mess. You're struggling with all kinds of sin. Might be a type of lifestyle. Mindsets, addictions. You can go on and on. Depression, anxiety. And today you're here sitting in this church. And you're saying, I've tried everything. Marriage is falling apart. Your mind is being torn into pieces. You have these sleepless nights you've tried everything you've tried reading books listening to things going to different religions you spent money on it medicines pills all these different things and today you might not completely understand everything but you're saying God I want something different I want change in my life you came to this church and you're saying God I came because I just I I want you. I don't want to leave this place without you. I want to follow you. If you're here, you're saying, okay, I want to deny myself, but I need help with that. Listen, God wants to help you. And it's just the decision that you have to make. It's not going to completely make sense. And to be very, very honest and very frank with you, you're going to make decisions. You're going to say these things and then you're going to fall flat on your face. But when you're following Jesus, listen, you're close by and you know where he's going. You're here this morning. And you're saying, preacher, you're saying, pastor, I, I want to surrender to Jesus Christ. This isn't a call to be a member of a church or in ministry. It's simply you're looking, you're hearing what God is saying. And you're responding. You're saying, God, I will follow you. I will pursue you and seek you. I will find out what that is. That's you this morning. Would you raise your hand in this place? I see that hand and on his heart. Anybody else? God's dealing with you. Maybe you're backslidden, a person who used to be right with God. But today you're far from him. Your heart's far you know about him. You may, might have even had an experience at some point, an encounter, been committed. But today, your heart's far from him. You know very well, you're not following him. You're not saved if you're to die at this moment. Heaven will not be your home. You want to change that. You want to reconcile your relationship with Christ. That's you. Would you raise your hand in this place? God's dealing with you. Amen. Children raising their hands. What about adults this morning? God's dealing with you. Hallelujah. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, for those that raised their hand, would you look up at me? Did you mean that? I believe you did. Why don't you come, brother? I have somebody to pray with you. I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to Christians this morning. Listen, what's incredible to me, church, is that this following thing, we can turn it on and turn it off whenever we want. It's a voluntary place. There was a moment in the relationship in ministry where Jesus looks at his disciples and he had just rebuked the crowds and told them to leave. And he looks at his disciples and he says, you guys can go too. And there was a very solid decision from them 
They said, we have nowhere else to go. If you're going to make this work, you have to sell out. You have to sell out. And that doesn't mean the same thing that it means to other people in ministry, but you've got to have your life sold out and say, God, I'm following you. I will deny myself. I will take up the very same cross that you took up. And I will surrender my life to you. You're not going to be able to find the will of God on discounts with shortcuts. It has the same commitment for every single one of us. The same commitment that every, for every single one of us. And there is no better decision out there than for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Completely surrender is the safest thing that you can do. There's people, I don't doubt it, God's dealing with you this morning. You've removed God as the King of kings and Lord of lords in your life. You've taken your life back. You've adjusted things. I'm going to serve God this way. and I'm going to personalize my commitment. It's just not the way it works. You won't find life there. Life and life abundantly is found in Jesus Christ. Let's all stand up to our feet this morning hallelujah let's stand up to our feet these altars are open I want to encourage you that you will come and get a hold of Jesus this morning hallelujah we're going to sing out this song but I want to encourage you that you will talk to him oh that you will lift up your voice maybe renew your covenant with him remind him remind yourself God you are great you are good Lord we're going to sing out this song